So it's Easter Friday. It's the day we remember that our Lord died on the cross for our sins. But I want to look at another story in the Bible today, one that I do think is directly related to the events of the cross. Most things are. <laughs> That's true. But more so in a specific way. Jesus performed many miracles. He says we don't have a record of everything he did. The Bible calls them signs because they were done for a reason. Yet when people saw the miracles with their own eyes, often they did not believe. They would easily forget and let the world overcome them. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that. Being overcome. <laughs> Many did not have any faith to begin with. And the miracles did not help them place faith in anything. Today, I want us to look at the issue of a lack of faith. See, we, we have Christ, uh, faith in Christ for our salvation, if you're a believer. But then, yet we still live as though we're bound by sin or crushed with guilt. We have faith in the Lord to provide for our needs, yet we lie awake at night worrying about what tomorrow holds. We trust in the Lord to grow us and prune us and to be more Christ-like, yet we begrudge and complain when the trials are set on our path. We say that we have faith in the Bible as the inspired, authoritative Word of God yet we never read it. A lack of faith. If this sounds familiar this morning, then listen to how Christ deals with little faith and hardened hearts. He performs a series of miracles, actually spanning just over 24 hours. I'm going to read from Mark 6, because there's a, there's a little uh, verse right at the end of the chapter that uh, it's very interesting, but these miracles are recorded in all four Gospels. It's one of the only miracles that is recorded in all four because they record different aspects of Christ's ministry and life. Mark 6, he feeds 5,000 people. So as we go through it, I'll try and fill in some details from the other Gospels as well. But let's just read it. Um, it's quite a few verses. Here goes. From um, verse 32. So they went into a remote place by boat, but the people saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot out of every city. They arrived first and came together to him. When Jesus came out and saw many people, he was moved with compassion on them, or to them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When the day was now getting late, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and now the time is passing. Send them away into the surrounding country and villages so that they may buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said, how shall we go and buy 200 
denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they found out and they said, five loaves and two fish. And he commanded them, everyone, to sit down by companies on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, looked up in heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave it to the disciples, and they divided it among them all. And they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets of fragments. Those who ate the loaves were about five thousand. Immediately he compelled his disciples to get onto the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethesda, while we sent the while he sent the crowd away. When he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Let's stop there. Dear Lord, please be with me as I uh, share this message this morning, and please let it let it be in our hearts that we may take away and grow from it. Amen. Okay, so it's the recording of the of the miracle of the five thousand. They went away because they needed some rest. So they departed to a desolate place. I'm sure many of you wanting some rest um, would avoid busy um, metropolitan tourist destinations and rather go somewhere quiet. Um, But people followed him and they didn't get the rest that they intended. It says that they didn't even have time to eat. But said he had compassion on them. He didn't send them away because they were sheep without a shepherd. Um, and so he he taught them. The other gospels say that he even healed many of their sick, and they were at it for the entire day. And then um, after the long day, his disciples said, "Well, you need to send them away so that they can buy food. They're they're starving." And uh, as almost as if Jesus expected them to perform the miracle, and I think maybe he did. Why not? He empowered them um, with with power over these things just a few chapters before the twelve disciples. But anyway, uh, they said, "Well, how can we? We only have so much money. It's not going to be enough for five thousand people. And besides, everything is in the middle of the night." Where are we going to even buy food? So he tells them to take stock of what they have. James brings a young boy who was among them who had some food. And he took it, and he prayed over it, and he broke it, and he divided it among 5,000 people. The Gospels record that they were told to sit on the green grass, which I thought was interesting. Sheep graze on green grass. And he had compassion on us because we were sheep without a shepherd. I think that's a very interesting detail. Yet, um, after this miracle was done, the response was, was surprising, actually. In another gospel, it says that they wanted to take Jesus by force, kidnap him and force him to be their king. In other words, to lead a rebellion. 
and it says he compelled his disciples to get into the boat, that they were reluctant to leave him. Perhaps they even got swept up in all of this. Get on the boat now! As he dispersed the crowd, the other Gospels record that he, he escaped. What, a, what, what an interesting response, wouldn't you think? As if they did not hear what he had taught them all day, or perhaps they didn't care what he had to say. Because of their lack of faith, it caused them to make an idol out of the miracle. God was taking too long. When will he deliver us from these Romans? We're waiting and waiting and waiting. Let us take matters into our own hands. You know, something similar happened in the wilderness to the, to the Israelites in front of that holy mountain, that rugged, would-be nation lost faith. And they built a golden calf to try and worship God. They didn't try and worship a pagan God, by the way, but they limited God to this one crummy statue because Moses was taking too long. So by that point, I want you to write this. Perhaps our lack of faith is contributed to by our doubt in God's timing. Specifically, because doubt is, in general, is what causes lack of faith. But do we doubt God's timing? Is it taking too long? It goes on. The story isn't over. The day is not over. As they were on their way to the other side of the sea, Jesus went up to a mountain to be alone for the rest of the night. And it says about the fourth watch, that's about between three and six in the morning, super early in the morning. I'm not going to read it, but it carries on right from the verse where we left off. You can follow it in your Bibles. A strong wind came up and, and blew the boat around. You know, I don't know if you've, Guys, have ever heard me use this illustration? I have once before. Uh, who's ever been on a ship in the middle of a storm before? Okay, what an experience. <laughs> Imagine rain pouring down so thick you can't see your hand in front of your face. Lightning and thunder everywhere. And you're sitting on a giant wet object with a massive metal rod sticking out the middle of it, with lightning and thunder all around and waves and rain. It is a very, very frightening experience. It chills me to the bone. So they were in a similar experience here. And, um, and then they saw something coming towards them. A figure in the distance that is appearing to be walking on the water. And they get afraid and they think, maybe it's a ghost, a spirit. What else would be able to walk on water, you know, except 
Except God. Exactly. It records in the Gospels that he would have passed by them. But he saw their distress. And he said, don't worry. It says, be of good cheer. Everything is okay. It's me. Now again, the response wasn't what we would expect, would it? The God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, Jesus, God in the flesh, has reassured me that everything is okay. In fact, he said, be of good cheer, be happy, everything's fine. The response should be, great, it's fine if the wind's blowing. God said it's okay, let's, let's go you know, below and finish our dinner or let's go back to sleep. That would be the response, right? Peter, doubting whether this is really Jesus, says, Lord, if it is really you, command me and I'll come out to you. I don't know, it doesn't say why, but perhaps he thought if it was a spirit, you know, he would be bluffing. I don't know. But Jesus said, okay then, come. And Peter starts out strong, faithful, the rock, the little stone, his name. He gets out onto the water and he starts walking, focused on Christ. But then he notices the turmoil around him and he starts to doubt. Jesus rescues him. He says, oh, you of little faith. They end up back on the boat. The storm instantly ceases, and they suddenly appear on the other side of the sea. And it says that they worshipped him, but in Mark, it records this. In verse 52, for they had not come, um, verse 51, and he went up unto them, unto the boat, the wind ceased, and they were greatly astonished. They wondered, how is this possible? How, how can he do these things? If it should even be a question by now, yet they still asked it. And they wondered, for they had not comprehended the miracle of the loaves. They had not remembered it, for their hearts were hardened. So, Instead of placing their faith where it ought to be placed, in the person of Christ, Peter wanted a sign. And yet, even while he was participating in this miracle firsthand, he doubted. We start out strong too. The Lord has called me, I will obey. It may seem dangerous, even impossible, but God is with me. Something else that contributes to our little faith is our doubt in God's ability, in his power. We turn our focus on our surroundings and things go wrong. I'm not allegorizing this passage, by the way. We see the implications and examples of this throughout many circumstances in Scripture and it plays out exactly the same way. Let's use the Israelites as another example. When 
they followed uh, God's command to the letter. They overcame Jericho. Uh, Gideon followed God's command to the letter, and 300 men defeated an army of thousands without ever raising a sword to them. They did that by themselves. But when they took matters into their own hands, because they doubted God's ability, things went wrong. And we see that in our own lives today, over and over. So one last thing. The day isn't over. It's the morning of the next day. They get to the other side, and lo and behold, the crowd that saw him, that were fed, followed him to the other side. We're going to read... Um, John 6. John 6 is the only book that records this. You can read from... Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing again. You can read this at home. Sorry, I've got notes all over. Here it is. So from verse 24, they meet Jesus again, probably at a synagogue or where he was teaching. And they said, um, uh, when the people saw that Neither Jesus nor the disciples were there. They also got into a boat and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come? They didn't know that he had walked on water to get there. Um, and Jesus answered and he said this to them, Truly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, the miracles, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You didn't come because you saw the miracles that I did as God incarnate, as exercising my authority over heaven and earth because I had compassion on you. No, you came because you wanted more food. Do not work for food which perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life. Then they asked him, we want to do the will of God. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Perhaps this was a bit of a tall order for them. Perhaps they expected to hear something a little easier. Just follow the law. Keep on keeping on. But listen to what you have to say. They said, what sign do you show them that we may believe you? What work will you perform? Again, they demanded a sign. Her fathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written, and gave them bread from heaven to eat. If it was me, I would say, this must be April Fool's. Are you serious right now? Are you joking? Just yesterday, you're asking, you're, you're even using the example where God made food out of nothing? Were you not there yesterday? He doesn't even reference that. He says, yes, it was truly an amazing miracle. I fed 5,000 people yesterday. God fed 
millions of people in the desert. He gave you one meal. He fed them for 40 years. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. You're right. If you want bread from heaven, I'll give you the real deal. That just fell from the sky, the second heaven. I'll give you bread from heaven. He said, I am the bread. By the way, they left disgusted at him, disgruntled. So they did not want to do the will of God. They asked for a sign again. Prove to us through a miracle before I place my faith in you. That's essentially what it came down to. You see, our faithlessness is when we put God into a bottle, like kind of like a genie in a lamp, and we only pray when we need something or want something. God's power is limited to only being able to make my life better according to my plan. Certainly not that the God of the universe has authority over all things. And that he alone is worthy of praise and glory. You're here because you want to be fed. Churches are filled, I think, with people who only believe <laughs> because God claims to fix their problems. What shallow, small faith. And certainly, sermons are filled with it as well, these claims. Jesus tells them about the real bread. I am the bread of life. You know, there's seven I am statements in John, and we have illustrated that with his posters. But actually... Jesus uses the word, the phrase, I am, almost 200 times in the four Gospels in various contexts and, and ways. There is a great emphasis and connection with our faith to the person of Jesus Christ, to who he is, not what he can do for us. This morning I wonder... If you are waiting for a sign that might never come, you are waiting for God to appear to you in a dream, I wonder, would we even listen? What is adding to our lack of faith? Just after this, Mark and Matthew actually, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Where else would I go? You see, because of a lack of faith, the collective nation crucified the man that they were reading about in their scriptures, that they were waiting for to come in a cloud of fire. Because of the hardness of their hearts and their little faith, but God used 
that in his sovereignty to bring about his redemptive plan through Jesus Christ. So I think these stories are directly related to what we are remembering today. that Christ died for our sins on the cross. But we should examine what is contributing, what is hindering our faith, the measure of our faith. We should find ways to glorify God for who he is. Because only because of God and who he is, is the cross even possible in the first place? The person of Jesus Christ. If this is news to you this morning, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, if you don't know why he died on the cross, why that is significant to us today, then trust me, your faith will not be misplaced. See me afterwards, see Pastor Tengiso, we can show you how to be saved. So on Sunday, we'll look at part two. We'll look at the other time his disciples forgot about the miracle of the loaves. And we'll look at an example of a man who asked Jesus for a miracle, but he understood faith and what the difference was. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you that you, your son died on the cross for our sins. What an amazing thing it is to, to know and trust and be assured of. And all you ask is that we place our faith sincerely and wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ and trust in you. Help us to do so this morning. Help us to remove the barriers that might be limiting the measure of, that, of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.